0: I'm Dano, and this is the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping family units grow in love together by teaching them how to read aloud as a family. Today, we're going to be talking about the third item in the Bernstrom Reading Framework. Now, remember that framework is a plan that helps inspire reading in kids and families, and we've been going through this framework for the last few episodes. So the third item asked the Read Aloud Dinner practitioner to read developmentally appropriate books. Okay, big words, but that is to say to read fun books. But hey, let's just review the Bernstrom framework kind of right now. The Bernstrom Reading Framework moves in this way. One, Schedule a time to read aloud. My family and I we read at dinner, at six o'clock or five or six o'clock whenever we can get supper on the table. Two. Set a timer for at least twenty minutes. This is mainly for those that are skeptical about about the read aloud dinner. Like ah, oh, do I like ah, oh, is this really gonna work? Set a timer and see how it goes. Three. Read developmentally appropriate books, both to inspire a love of reading and to teach literacy. Four, teach phonics or you know introduce phonics to your kids if you're especially if you're a young family. Five, look up new words as a family. And then six, use a library. So that's the Bernstrom reading framework. So what do I mean by a developmentally appropriate book? Like I said earlier, a develop, a developmentally appropriate book is a fun book. Now, fun book is can be interpreted many different ways. My family is a great example because I have an infant and I have an eight-year-old. So what book do we read that would help the whole family? For, I, I heard or I read a a book that said children grow in love of reading so it's not so much a child grows out of a out of love for board books and then out of love for picture books and then out of love for early readers and out of love for chapter books and out of love for middle grade and out of love for young adult. So many of us still love the picture books, or so many of us still love young adult, and we're adults. So what I'm saying is appreciation grows as we get older. In my family, we have such a wide range, so I'm going to have to read books that are going to appeal to that wide range. My two-year-old is really oblivious for reading The Vanderbeekers. I think that's what it's called. We're reading The Vanderbeekers right now as a family. And so, you know, does it appeal to the two-year-old? Not so much, but she's really engaged with her siblings. And in the book, The Vanderbeekers, there is a two-year-old and there is a, I think, 11 or 12-year-old. So there's different ages. It's a large family and our family's large. So my children kind of identify with the book. I would call that developmentally appropriate In the book especially, the character of Lanny has a very child-like speaking, so my daughter Gwendolyn really kind of perks up when she hears this this baby talk or this kid talk. But you could do whatever you want. You could do whatever you want. You could just read picture books. You could read Mercy Watson, I think, by Kate DiCamillo, where the Mercy Watson series is, is fabulous. And though Mercy, it's a chapter book, but Mercy Watson has a beautiful ability to appeal to many ages all at once, even to adults, just because DeCamello, uh, just her writing style is, is funny and it's written at many levels where an adult can, can chuckle about parenting and a child can enjoy Mercy, who is a pig, being irresponsible and stealing butter and going on rather remarkable adventures. So that would that, that would be an example of a developmentally appropriate book. And I understand that as you're listening to this podcast that you might be thinking, well, that's my problem. That's my problem. I don't know what a developmentally appropriate book is. And here I'm actually going to refer you out to another website, and that is the Read Aloud Revival podcast. I'm going to refer you to that podcast and that website, where Sarah—oh, I think her name is Sarah—has a list of reading books that you can reference that are, that are that are good, wholesome, appropriate books to read at your table, and without like being like squeamish or worrying about anything head over to the read aloud if you it it, maybe you're already a fan of the of the read aloud revival if you don't know the read aloud revival it's always good to have multiple podcasts about the same thing i have i listen to multiple podcasts about teaching investing parenting i think it's good to have multiple podcasts about reading so maybe i'm on your list for podcasts for reading aloud and sarah and read the read aloud revival she's there as well. But I would head over to her, her place and look up developmentally appropriate books. And I'm going to go through this. I'm going to go through this. And uh, I will be putting out my own list in time. But she's done an amazing job. And I don't really want to duplicate her work. My, my goal is to It's actually to inspire and encourage you to sit down and read as a family. That is my niche, or niche, however you want to say it. And that's where my heart is. We can talk about reading aloud, and we can talk all about, like, hey, let's do this, and here are all wonderful books, and then we lose sight of how to do it. And that's what I want to talk about. How do you implement this idea of reading aloud as a family, especially if you are a working parent, especially if you have multiple kids and you're burning the candle at both ends and you can't think of how to incorporate this in your life. What if you're a single parent and you're like, I I don't know, I don't know what to do. That's why we have this podcast. This podcast is for you, and we're going to be talking more about that implementation. We will touch reading lists. We will touch pro- developmentally appropriate books and that I can recommend for you. But the, the kind of simplest way, and we'll talk more about this about that last item in the checklist is go to the library. The simplest way to start reading at home is to go to the local library and start picking out picture books. Start with picture books. And that's a great way to start. Because, like I said, as you get older, your appreciation grows. So even though we're reading the Vanderbeekers, which is a big chapter book, we can appreciate picture books when we read them. And and my children love them, and they giggle, and the pictures, and we have a lot of fun, and we talk about the pictures. Our appreciation grows, so do not forget that point. It's essential. And picture books have very high language, so don't count them off or disregard them as something stupid or unnecessary or childish. Far from it. They are some of the most difficult books to write. Even, even In fact, Kate DiCamillo, I remember her speaking at my graduate seminar, and she said, that picture books were the hardest books that she ever wrote because she, she said, you have to love every single word and defend every single word. And she is a hundred percent right. If you make a mistake in a picture book, everyone makes fun of you and everyone knows that you made a mistake. In a middle grade or a lar a longer book, you can kind of get away with stuff. Picture book writers are some of the best writers in the nation, along with poets in terms of economy of words telling a story in a very short and simple way and it is very hard to do so go to the local library and and find you're gonna and they're usually almost always developmentally appropriate now i know there maybe there are some people here that have different religious points of view or or whatever it's okay screen them review review the books before you get them at the library and then bring them home and read them at, and read them. And remember that, please remember that we learn so much from bad books or just as much from bad books as we do from good books. So don't worry about getting a bad book. It'll be funny. You could even make fun of the book. You know, maybe you, you pick up my books and you think that they're bad. That's fine. That's fine. Then have a good laugh. And then think of the joy in what happens at your table. So read developmentally appropriate books. The other thing in book selection, so developmentally or fun books, is listen to your child. And that's what this is ultimately about. Parents, we are busy, stressed out people who are keeping the wolves away from the door. Or That's how I feel often. I feel like... There are wolves around the house, be it finances, we're not making enough money, or something breaks down, or maybe there's a friend that I'm not particularly excited about. I know boyfriends and girlfriends are going to be... I think there's always... There's other... Or TV is a wolf, you know, bad entertainment. There's always things around us that parents need to be vigilant about in order to protect our child. Now we can't protect them from everything, and it's actually books that are gonna give them the skills to protect themselves. And and so many times we think that lecturing to our child is what we ought to do when actually you know, I don't know if you believe in any evolution or anything like that, but actually like like we are storytelling creatures. We are built for story. And we respond to story. So giving a child a story can really help them to learn the thing that you really, that that you wish for them or that they need. So don't necessarily think that um, your lecture is what's going to happen. And don't Don't forget that the story will change you as well. And your family will start to develop kind of this inside code, inside language, secret talk where you mention certain things and no one else knows what you're talking about. But because you've read that story, you can say things to your kids that no one else knows about, which would be kind of really cool. So use stories to to. Keep the wolves away from, teach your kids about the wolves around the house, what to be aware of, how to handle these problems, and what you're doing is you're giving them that amazing gift. So listen to your kid. There are things that, yes, that you can bring in as a parent to teach your child, but don't, 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 don't ignore your child. That's where I was getting to, where we get so preoccupied with the wolves and doing really good things that we forget the emotional well-being of our child. And you're like, how dare you say that? How dare you call me irresponsible? And I'm not. I, I really am not. I'm saying that you are doing good things and you are busy. I'm very busy. And this just happened to me the other day where my son said, Daddy, I don't get to do anything with you. Like, what do you mean? We did this and this and this? He goes, yeah, but then I ask about this. And you said, well, later. Later. We'll do it tomorrow. But we never do it. Now, I want to respond. I want to defend myself and say, no, you're wrong for all these reasons. That would be bad. That would be bad because I'm... I'm not validating his feelings. Then he's not going to talk to me or tell me those feelings. I said, thank you for letting me know. I will work on that because he had that feeling for a reason. And so we, so, so we can talk about that. Listening to your child means listening to the types of books that they would like to read as well. Now you might not enjoy that type of book but especially if it's a picture book you know you can get through it fast or you can get through it in a couple of days and you don't you don't have to spend as much time or you might learn about your child if it's a longer book you might learn about them and what they're interested in and aren't you excited as a parent to see their eyes light up with love aren't you excited to see them leaning in to the story that you are reading, or maybe they get a chance to read as well. You learn about them in their interests, which helps you prioritize, or maybe you're busy and then you can do things with them within your daily work. Here's a story. My daughter, my second daughter loves being with people. That's her thing. I'll talk about love languages uh, frequently on this book that we all have love languages and it's really true. It, it's not just like fake. It's really true. There's a, there's, there's a language of love that your child possesses and that they're trying to communicate that language to you. And that language is a little bit strange. So my, my wife, her love language is quality time. And my daughter, Daughter's love language is quality time. My wife's quality time love language is to watch her shows. So we sit down and we watch what she likes to watch on TV. That if I if there's one way to my wife's heart is to watch what she loves to watch. My daughter isn't so much she 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 could right now at least she's not interested in TV. Like some kids they love TV like and they want to watch it all the time. But my daughter she might watch a little bit and then just kind of drifts off. Weird. Has behaves like no other kid I've ever had. She loves finding us and just talking to us about nothing or just being with us and she's really happy. Okay. So I realized that that's her love language, it's quality time, but then it's specifically this dialect of quality time. When I go out for errands, I realized she would say, I come with you, I come with you. I would say no and she would bawl, and she'd find mom. Sometimes she can't come with me. But I realized how easy would it be to tell her I love you by saying yes, you can come with me and she's not a terror like there are some children who have temper tantrums in the in the grocery store i've had children that have temper tantrums in the grocery store she's not one of them this is the benefit of having multiple kids because you realize how bad of a parent you really are like the first the, my first child was was relatively easy And then I had four more, and then my wife and I were quickly, we quickly stopped judging other parents. And then we we, we started to encourage them instead, because we realized how out of our depth uh, we were. And, you know, we still parent our first child very well, and we struggle with the others. Each child is different, and each one requires a different kind of love. And that's challenging at times. So back to the story. So my two-year-old, I come with you. I come with you. Yes, Gwendolyn, you can come with me. So she comes with me and she, she, you don't need to put a leash on her. You don't need to put her in the cart. You don't need to. She follows you. She doesn't touch anything. She just follows. And she has this huge smile on her face. You don't have to worry about where she is because she's right beside you. She's so good that, like, I'm a, okay. Okay. True confessions of a bad parent. Like, I give her candy. I probably give her more. Like, well, that's why she comes with you. No, she doesn't. Because there are times I don't give her candy and she's just as happy. But oftentimes I'm like, do you want a little treat? Because she's just so happy that I respond in a very happy way Be- because she doesn't make any noise or fuss or anything. And. And is just the, the, the kindest little girl, girl ever. You tell her no, she be you know it's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. She becomes this raging monster that goes throughout the house like screaming and crying and is inconsolable. That's where the temper tantrum comes. But to come with you, to be with you, that's the way to tell her I love you. In reading, and a child selecting the books that they would like to read, you can learn about what makes them tick and how to love them so i guess i'm talking about i guess the last item the library you can go on amazon you could maybe go through the bookshelves and have them pick a book at your home if you have lots of books at home if you don't have lots of books at home go to the library and have them bring a bunch of books to you and yes you as the parent pick so many books but you can set a limit. You can pick two. You can pick three. Oh, please, may I have this one too? It's like the fourth one. You're like, sure, sure. But they they didn't pick 10 of like tarantulas. And if you're squeamish about spiders like I am, like you can only read so many tarantulas. So listen to your child, because when you listen to your child, you start to grow in love. And that is what this podcast is really aiming for. Not so much the book lists, great, but about this companionship with your child, connecting with your family, growing together in love. Because that's what's really the most special thing, is to have a family that works and joy around the dinner table. And I was sick the other day. I'm a little bit sick today. So if I rush off to go throw up somewhere, then you know why. But I was sick yesterday, and I couldn't eat anything, or try to, but I couldn't. And again, I got that, that request, Dad, are we going to read? I said, no, you can't. I'm so sorry. I'm not feeling well. Maybe Mom will read. I don't know if she did, because I think I like passed out pretty pretty quick after that, or went to bed and just was boom. I feel better, I feel a little bit better, but they, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, you listen to your children, you have them select the books. Magic happens at the dinner table or before bed. The next thing I'm gonna talk about is, what kind of books can you get so maybe you don't want to go to the library and you want to go on amazon and goodreads or to find books okay a great way to find books is to start with the american library association and start if you google the american library association and i'm going to put a link to that in the description so in not the description of if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you'd have to go to my website. So if you go to my website, I'll put the link there. Go to the ALA, American Library Association, and there you can find the Caldecott award winners. So Caldecott would be for the picture book. There'll be the award winners for every year, but there's always runners up. So I... I mean, I'm a book snob, so I might not necessarily think that the book that won the Caldecott should have won the Caldecott. I sometimes enjoy the runners-up more than I enjoy the Caldecott. Consider reviewing the award-winning books from the American Library Association. They also put out a notable book list for every category that, that you could possibly want. So the picture books, the early reader, developing reader, the middle grade the young adult and so on so look check out ALA great resource for you you of course can go on Amazon and look on Amazon for good books I am going to kind of sorry Amazon I'm going to question Amazon a little bit because Amazon is like Google and they sell things based by algorithm So if you can figure out an algorithm, then that book is going to come to the top. And I saw some books that were made with clip art, literal clip art, that were like number one on Amazon. And people were like, this is amazing. And I'm not saying that that writer didn't do a good job and, you know, good for him or her, because they're making a ton more money than I am as a writer. But honestly, it's good for him or her because you figured out the algorithm. And so hats off to you for knowing an algorithm. But did you necessarily give or write something that was true and good and beautiful? Not necessarily. So Amazon, so when you find books on Amazon and you can, you know, people can pay for reviews or they can they can twist the... They can twist the Amazon algorithm to make themselves look better than what they are. With that said, check out Goodreads. I like Goodreads, even though they don't give me the reviews on my books that I want them to. I think, so, Goodreads, if you, anyone from Goodreads, if you hear this, love me. Give me some love. So Goodreads doesn't necessarily give give me as much love as I would like, but Goodreads is from readers, readers like you. and frankly, I think readers do a pretty good job of selecting books generally. you know I thought one day in a eucalyptus eucalyptus tree, my book was pretty, pretty, you know, outstanding, and Goodreads didn't necessarily think so. Sales. Sales have disagreed with Goodreads, so I'm going to I'm going to say that it's not flawless but generally Goodreads is a good place to go to research books and Goodreads also puts out awards and also puts out a list and I will link that even though Goodreads you don't necessarily love me. I will put that list uh, link to those lists in the description but. The most important thing, as I said before, is that you listen. You listen to your child. And have that guide you. And that will be more important than anything. So you're finding books for you, but you're not finding books for them, well, you might find your read aloud experience to be, you know, boom, it goes away. The next thing we're going to talk about is is those ages. Age range for books. It's kind of a little squishy, and so I'll go through them here. Let me pull it up. Okay, so age range for books. You have baby, I'm going more off of the Amazon list because they have a pretty good idea of what. What age ranges are. But so, baby books, and I think you should read to your baby. No, I don't think you, I really want you to read to your baby. Ages zero to two. And you read to your baby because you teach them mentalization, you teach them about emotions. Because babies watch your face or they listen to your voice. And that's the most meaningful thing to a baby i'll hold my child my baby that i have right now i hold him and we're talking and he's fine he hears, he hears mom and all of a sudden he's upset he wants to eat or you know he loves her but he hears mom and he wants to go to her your voice means so much to your baby yet And I'm sorry, I don't mean to guilt. I don't mean to guilt. I really want you to read to your baby instead of try to pacify your baby with other things. I understand, I don't sleep either. I think I've gotten, when I got married, I had no gray in my beard. And then within the last 10 years, I've almost gone white with all the kids that I've had. It's stressful. I don't sleep. I haven't slept in years. I think my average time that I spend in bed is like three to four hours, according to Apple. Like I don't sleep. I'm up for something or there's some kid that needs something. I get it. I get that you need sleep. And sleep is very important. But then we, because we just need time to ourselves, I have been guilty of, hey, I'm going to put the kid in the swing and not hold them and try to pacify them. No. And that, the swing is fine. I'm not saying swings are bad. I'm not saying pacifying them is bad. I'm saying pick them up, read them a book, because they love your voice. They love you so much. And reading to them teaches them those things. Next, picture books, ages three to five. And picture books could actually be quite a large age range, actually, because there's picture books for older readers and stuff. So this is very simplistic. But picture books, think of, again, that Caldecott category, the element, like, Kindergarten, first grade, preschool, kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten. Let's just say that. That's the A's that you want to hit for picture books. Preschool, kindergarten. Those are the books for that age, three to five. Early readers would be that kindergarten, kind of the edge of kindergarten through first, second grade. Maybe into third grade. So these are the early readers and they can be very simple and they can be more complex. This is the Mercy Watson. This is the the Theodore Seuss Geisel Award or I think Dr. Seuss actually has a lot of early readers. They could be chapter books like Ramona. They could be simple books like Who Stole My Pants or Who Stole My Hat. They could be Elephant and Piggy books by Mo Willems. They might look like picture books, but they're actually very they're more simple or they're easy for kids to read. Scholastic has done a lot of work in there. you can head over to Scholastic and see their methodology for teaching kids to read. There I don't necessarily agree with their methodology, but you know, they're have very smart people. Way smarter than me, so I'm not here to start a war with scholastic. I'm just saying Head over to Scholastic and check out their stuff. We just have some different philosophies, which I think is good. Next, you'll find like your reluctant readers, which is like nine to 12. Essentially, you're getting into the middle grade. Now, reluctant readers or middle grade, these are books where you really want to inspire kids to read. So, middle grade books are not necessarily books that are chapter books. They could be graphic novels or like books like Dogman or. Uh, Captain Underpants, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Well, you know, So they combine pictures and text, and kids have a lot of fun with them. And Reluctant Readers is just, you're just trying to find the kinds of books that, that the kid wants to read. The umbrella is middle grade. So third, fourth, fifth, even to sixth grade. Well, even sixth and seventh and eighth because it's actually a little bit larger, but middle grade, those are kind of your middle grade books. And those, those are generally chapter books, but then you have, like I said, those graphic novels, the comic books. This is good. Comic books aren't bad. They're really wonderful for kids. And when I was getting my daughter to read, threw comic books at her. But then she matured, right? She matured and she wanted to read other stuff, but she still appreciates a good comic book. That's it. You're just helping them grow in their appreciation. Past that will be young adult, which is going to be eighth, ninth grade through thirty-one to thirty-four. It's a huge, massive range. So, so a young adult because it, it it can do like very mature. Th- Harry Potter is a great example of a young adult spanning many ages. Uh, Hunger Games is another example. Divergent, a little bit more violent. I know there's a lot of new stuff out there too. Twilight, definitely toward the more adult end, but still young adult. Huge range of books. So some books you probably wouldn't want to read at the the table, depending on your personality. Uh, The Hobbit. I think I'd put in there, Lord of the Rings. I would put in there, maybe toward, toward the upper, upper um, high school end, eleventh, twelfth grade. So th- there's a there's a kind of a overview of what books that we're talking about. But then consider blending, consider blending books that it's okay, this is a longer, I need to end. It's kind of, we're kind of past our time. I've talked for way too long. So I'm just gonna finish with consider blending books, consider putting books together from multiple places, but just make sure that they fit with your moral philosophy, your ethic, what you wanna teach your kid, screen all books before you read them. I have a funny story about learning that the hard way. I'll maybe tell that at another date, and then also, like I said, drop questions into the comic box below so I can respond to you. This is mainly to help you. I don't. I don't want to. This is not meant to shame you, but I want to tell you the truth. I. I, I don't think I can do this podcast without saying something that is going to offend somebody. With. With. They'll hope to help you to grow closer to your child, or grow, or grow, grow more in love. So forgive me. I ask your forgiveness if I said something that did not, that did not strike you well. If I was insensitive or even ignorant, I, I beg your forgiveness, and I hope you grant it to me. Uh, please know that my heart is in the right place, and that I, I just am all about kids getting to know their parents or guardians better, helping grow literacy in America or, in, or maybe even around the world and giving to kids the tools they need to love other people more and know about empathy and the world around them before, before they have to step out on their own and they're without us. We've given them the tool answer any question they could ever have. Like I said, this is Dano and the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast. It's been great spending time with you. Have a great day, and I will be back next week for another podcast. Bye.